Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Spartans. It is Halloween. It is Thursday, October 31st, 2019. I am your host, Will Hunter. I just realized that I should have done something Halloween-related for today's show, but I didn't because I'm a terrible planner sometimes. <laughs> Things like Halloween just sort of sneak up on me. This year, I didn't realize it was my birthday until it was my birthday, and someone told me happy birthday, and I know that's kind of a cliche, but I did. I totally, it snuck up on me. Um, so I'm sorry I don't have some Halloween-themed thing for you today. Maybe while I'm talking, I can try to think of something uh, and just toss it out there at the end of the segment. Compare players to candies or something. I don't, it's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> okay, real quick. Uh, Cassius Winston is uh, obviously a fast break bar. Uh, Kirk Cousins is a payday. And uh, Benny Fowler in 2012 is a Butterfingers. All right. <laughs> Last one was mean. He rebounded in 2013. I can make the joke. All right. There's the end of the Halloween segment. Uh, on today's show, Stephen Brooks is going to join us from 24-7 Sports. We talk a little football and basketball, mostly basketball, but a couple football things in there as well. That'll be segments two and three. For the first segment, I'm going to talk some basketball stuff. I wrote a piece at Spartans Wire about uh, you know making the case for how Imani Bates ends up at Michigan State. So I'll talk a little bit about that. And then um, if I have time, uh, I will give some categories in you know, players I have picked for those categories for the basketball season. I may not have time. That may have to wait until tomorrow. We'll see about that. But that's the plan for today's show. Reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is the easiest way to get these episodes to your phone every single day. And as always, check out my writing, spartanswire.usatoday.com. Got the film room piece up there. Painful to watch, but necessary. Uh, like I said, I got the Imani Bates thing as well and just some other uh, interesting tidbits, those preseason um, staff picks uh, for you know team MVP, defensive player of the year, I think is up, offensive player of the year, X-Factor, sixth man, newcomer of the year, all that good stuff, uh, spartanswire.usatoday.com. All right, let's talk about Imani Bates. Actually, real quick, before we do Imani Bates, uh, Michigan State did land a quarterback recruit yesterday. If you didn't see that, his name is Noah Kim. Uh, he was on an official visit uh, against Penn State prior to uh, committing to Michigan State. He was committed to Virginia Tech, and he's a three-star recruit, like 1,500th in the class, like uh, relatively well down there in terms of rankings. Uh, he's an interesting case because I think he's kind of a late bloomer. Uh, he, aside from the Michigan State Virginia Tech, he had an offer from Western Michigan, and then it's like Fordham, William and Mary, uh, schools like that. He, he only had a, a handful of Division One offers and only two from Power Five teams. One from Virginia Tech, which is certainly a respectable offer, and one he had been committed to. And then the Michigan State one. So it's an interesting thing there. His recruitment not a typical MSU player, a little bit lower under the radar, but might be a diamond in the rough. I was watching a little bit of his highlight stuff. Uh, has a really strong arm and. and has the ability to make really weird athletic throws. Um, and he, he just seems like he should be higher ranked. His ranking doesn't really make sense. Uh, I'm not a recruiting expert, but he seems like he could be a, a decent looking prospect and has some arm talent to work with. So that's the the guy Michigan State's getting. We're not 
going to see much of him um, in the near future, uh, if ever, because that's how quarterback recruiting works out. But Noah Kim, three-star kid uh, out of Virginia, was committed to Virginia Tech, got an offer from Michigan State a week ago after decommitting from Michigan Tech, or Michigan, decommitting from Virginia Tech. So it kind of looks like Michigan State somehow identified this kid, found him, and poached him from Virginia Tech. So that happened. All right. Imani Bates, uh, Sports Illustrated cover story, uh, Ani Imani Bates, 15-year-old uh, from y- Ypsilanti, Ypsilanti. Um, he plays at Lincoln High and has been called the greatest, best, whatever you want to call it, high school recruit since LeBron James, maybe even better than <laughs> LeBron James, uh, is already drawing comparisons to Kevin Durant as well, is the number one player in his high school class, is the number one player in all of high school. Regardless of class, uh, if the NBA draft were tomorrow and he was eligible, he would be the number one overall pick, uh, a phenomenon in every sense of the word, uh, an incredible talent. And he happens to be in Michigan. So the, he gets this, this profile from sports illustrated, uh, and a really funny tidbit, um, got there a year earlier than LeBron James. That was something that uh, he sort of said in the piece. And you should go read it at Sports Illustrated if you haven't yet. It's really interesting. But there's a case to be made for Imani Bates ending up at Michigan State. Uh, as it sits right now, the one-and-done rule will probably be gone by the time Imani Bates gets to college age. He's a sophomore right now, class of 2022. The CBA is up next year for the NBA. And they're going to negotiate that. And it seems like all indications are that the one and done rule is going to be gone. So how does a kid like Imani Bates end up at Michigan State? Well, the prevailing theory right now is that he is prime for reclassifying. And reclassifying just means you skip a grade. You you move up a grade. Uh, It's something that top prospects have been doing to get to college faster and then get to the pros faster. The key is you have to be old enough by time your draft is to reclassify, jump a grade, and then be of draft age when you get there. So the NBA has a draft age limit, and then they also have the one year out of high school rule. And so that's why you see guys going straight from high school and playing overseas, or you see guys skipping grades uh, and going to college a year early. And right now, Although it's a couple years out, there's a million different scenarios on the table. Um, the The theory is right now that Imani Bates is probably going to reclassify to 2021 and then end up playing a year in college. So he gets um, out of high school and does a year in college. So he is of draft age, right? The, the one and done rule is going to be gone, but instead of spending his last year in high school, his senior year in high school, it makes more sense to him for him to play college basketball for his development because he's at a point right now where he's kind of so elite, so next level that he is, you know, he turns down invites from, this is a tidbit from the PC, turns down invites from USA basketball junior teams for tournaments and things because it just doesn't make sense for him to travel and put miles on his body like that to play against countries that they're just going to beat by 40. He's kind of doing his own thing. He doesn't need that sort of circuit, if you will, where a lot of kids use that as really valuable experience to 
increase their profile, get better at skills, yada, yada, yada. He's kind of on a different level than even the most elite high school prospects. And so where he's at right now as a sophomore, he's so much better than everyone he's playing against. By the time he gets to his senior year in high school, there's not going to be much of a benefit to him on the basketball court of playing you know, local high school kids from across the town that just can't even get in his way safely. Um, so it, it makes sense for him to skip a year of high school, go to college, and wherever he ends up, if it is Michigan State or Duke, Kentucky, you know, a team like that to play really good collegiate competition, guys that are closer to his level, at his level, with you know, no offense to the high school coaches out there, but much better coaching, much better strength training, uh, skill development, and just sort of getting that process early. And, you know, I don't know if you've heard, but being a superstar college athlete can be really fun and a really wonderful life experience for a kid. Um, So that is something where it seems like despite him being the jump straight to the pros type, he might skip a year of high school and make his last year of high school college, so to speak, before then jumping to the pros. And um, I'm, I'm running short a little bit on time here, so I encourage you to read the piece uh, that I wrote to get a little bit more information. But basically, Michigan State uh, is one of very few schools recruiting him right now, which is strange because he is, but I told you, the best high school player in the country, regardless of class. You'd think every single school would be after him. Well, a lot of schools have decided that it's just not worth their time because he's going right to the NBA and there's no sense recruiting a kid who's not going to step foot on a college campus. Now that the sentiment is kind of like the words getting out like, hey, Monty Bates might actually play a year of college. Schools are starting to get more involved, but he still only has a handful of offers. And Michigan State was one of the first schools to offer him. And in the profile, he talks about being really mad that schools aren't recruiting him and actually taking offense to it. And saying, he says something like, you know, I didn't say anything about not going to college. I don't know why anyone's not recruiting me. Uh, He's at Midnight Madness. He's been at MSU working out. There's a connection to the program, certainly. Um, And you have to think that having that early in and having that early connection will be something that pays dividends down the road with him. So I think Imani Bates, there's a million different options for him. Uh, Who knows how this is going to play out, but I think... Uh, if you're breaking down the pie chart, the biggest slice on that pie chart, albeit it's it's a slow, it's a small, relatively small slice, the biggest slice on that pie chart is he reclassifies and, and ends up playing a year at Michigan State, which would be absolutely incredible. All right, let's pause right here, put a pin in that, and I don't have time to talk about categories, so I'll just do that on tomorrow's show. A little teaser there, that's what we call it in the biz, a tease. Um, Stephen Brooks is going to join us here, talk to him about football and basketball, mostly basketball, got his thoughts. He was actually at the Breslin Center, um, so it helps to get a firsthand look. He had some interesting perspectives on the uh, exhibition game against Albion. So we'll get that and more from Stephen Brooks here in just a minute. All right, I am pleased to be joined now by a friend of the show, Stephen Brooks from 247sports.com. Steven, how you doing today? Thanks for making some time for us. Yeah, yeah, doing well, man. Um, appreciate you having me on, as always. For sure. So you and I were at Spartan Stadium Saturday night. Um, we cracked a lot of jokes, it felt like, 
at different times before the game, after the game. Um, <laughs> so we, we had a, a good time up in the booth, but it wasn't so great out on the field. Um, among all the games you've been to, covered, attended as a fan, whatever, um, where does that rank in terms of just overall crumminess of the entire evening? Oh man, that's a good one. Um, is it worse than Rutgers Iowa? Last year, <laughs> Rutgers last year would be up there. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just so so bad. Uh, I wasn't at Nebraska last year. That'd probably be up there. Um, most of these uh, most of these candidates were were last year. Quite honestly, uh, <laughs> the 2013 team against Western that first night oh. was really painful to watch. Um, Curtis Drummond, I think it was, had that one crazy one-handed interception. Yeah. Uh, other than that, it was really, really boring. Uh, Youngstown State, even, I think it was, that year was, was pretty bad. But, yeah, this was up there for sure. Youngstown State that year was like 55-2. to two. Um, Are you thinking of Youngstown State in 2011 when they won like 24-6 to six and it was just the worst start to the season ever? Yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> I, I remember that 13 game being terrible, though. Just, oh, they, I don't know. I remember being uninspiring for yeah. being young since State, and I thought that they were going to – yeah, I remember the score was big, but I just remember being like, eh. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's, there's been quite a few, unfortunately. So, yeah, there has. So this one's up there. Um, what are just like your, your feelings right now for this team the rest of the season? The vibe is really not great um, in the fan base, in the team, it seems like. Um, what is just your general thoughts right now? Yeah, my thought is, uh, I said this on the radio, uh, last week or week before is that, you know, if they won at Penn, against Penn state and a good amount of people thought there was a shot there, you know, and all that. And I was one of them. I thought they had a shot. I didn't think they would win, but I thought they had a, a realistic shot to, to get that one. Yeah. So and I said I. if they won that, then yeah, I said, if they won that, then they'll be in that contention, uh, to win nine games, you know, but if they lost, I said every other game the rest of the way is going to be a fight, and I, I still believe that. Um, I mean, every game. I, I don't think uh, they're really going to have a, a a comfortable cruise the rest of the way here. I don't think you're going to see like a 45-10 type of game against a Maryland or a Rutgers even. Um, I really think everything, everything is going to be tight the rest of the way because I question the confidence uh, of these guys, especially if, if things don't start out well these next few weeks, you know, and, mm-hmm. and this sort of weight just sort of drags on them. So, and I think I pretty much said this last time I was on with you, but um, from a big picture standpoint, there's just, and I know I said it to you in person, I want to say it too, but uh, big picture, there's just nothing pointing in a good direction. Like literally every aspect of the program <laughs> is pointing in the wrong direction. Yeah. Um, you know, it might just sort of be leaning there for some areas and other ways it's a full tilt, you know, but there's not one thing you can really point to within the program and be like, at least that one thing is pointing the right direction. It's all slanted the other way. Except Jake, Jake Hartbarger, but even he was impacted. Like it, they got, it got to him. Whatever's going on somehow got to Jake Hartbarger, who is just prior to that was the best and most consistent player on the team, I would think, the entire season. Um, and then he, he had this worst punting game of his career. So something, when it's getting him. That was bizarre. Yes. It was like Space Jam talent, uh, you know, evaporated <laughs> out of them. Yes. Because that was just bizarre. And it wasn't just one kick. You know, everybody can have one bad kick and get mm-hmm. their foot wrong. But it was the whole game. That was bizarre. 
Yeah, he had multiple ones that were like 31, 33, 29. He had like the five yarder and then like one big one, I think, to kind of boost up the average. Um, Yeah, it was not a good game for him. Um, Let you want to talk about basketball? Basketball is more fun. Sure. All right. You're the host. You're you're wherever you want to go, man. Yeah, I know. You're you're the guy. I mean, we're just we're going to we're going to just do it. You know, we're going to talk basketball. We're just going to go where we're going to go. I'm tired of talking about football, honestly. Um, sure, we can talk about football next week. Yeah, you're. Yeah, we'll preview Illinois. That'll be super exciting. I'm sure it won't be uh, anxiety inducing for every single person in the fan base. Um, <laughs> you were at the Breslin Center for the Albion game. I was not. Um, what are some of your big takeaways for from seeing this team in person for the first time this season? Um, so right off the bat, I was pretty impressed with Rocket Watts. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he got the start at the two guard, and he's going to be a guy that they're going to have to rely on a lot now with Josh Langford out. And uh, with Kyle Lawrence even out, you know, he's not a pure two guard by any means, but he's a guy that can give you minutes on the wing and uh, sort of supplement things there. They're actually, you know, suddenly kind of thin now. It's it's really yeah. Rocket, Gabe, and Aaron Henry, and two of those guys are starting, you know. And then where do you go from there? Probably Connor George, who got a couple minutes. But, um. Yeah, Rocket impressed me. He uh, he backed up totally what Izzo has been saying about him. I think he's a he really struck me with his passing early on, um, both his, both his willingness and just uh, the crispness of the passes. Um, he was really uh, reading things well and, and trying to put some balls into some really tight windows and, and doing it. Um, that was one thing. Uh, I think Thomas Kithier and Malik Hall are your best two options at, at the power forward spot uh, mm-hmm. at this point. I'm only seeing the one game there, but. Uh, you know, Kithier started, and he just he just looks natural. He just kind of does what he always does. He just blends in, makes the right decision, uh, yeah. is where he needs to be. And then Hall, I think, gives you like a – he's like a, got a Kenny Goins skill set, but a much, much higher ceiling, obviously, and a better athlete. Like, uh, yeah. you know, Kenny Kenny Goins plus is kind of what you're, what you're hoping for with him. So those are two main things. All right, let's take a quick – Time out for just a second. We're going to come right back with more from Stephen Brooks of 247sports.com. All right, let's jump back into our conversation with Stephen Brooks of 247sports.com. The other guy at that power forward spot uh, that had been talked about, and I think the hope was that he would jump up and take the job is Marcus Bingham Jr., um, and it seems like he really struggled in the scrimmage against Gonzaga, and then in this game, um, tail of two halves kind of, right? Like what is, what did you see out of Bingham? Um, where is there still work to be done with him? Where is he at right now in your eyes? Yeah. And I, you know, the second half was better, but I still didn't think it was anything to write home about. Um, you know, overall the, the, the grade or whatever on him would be pretty lukewarm in my eyes. Uh, Izzo said he bounced back on the second half. I think that's just cause he didn't want to completely dump on him. And he, you know, he kind of offered a positive for every negative for every guy he brought up. Mm-hmm. Um, First half, yeah, there was a stretch where he, he misses a three. Or no, it was first he gave up a bucket to like a 6'6 guy. Then he misses a three, um, and then he gets a shot blocked all within like a minute, minute and a half. And it was just, in a, you know, somebody next to me was like, does he realize he's 6'11 with a 7'-plus seven, <laughs> seven wingspan? Does he realize that? Um, you know, because they were saying, you know, he just doesn't seem to play to that size all the time. So he was getting bumped around a little bit down there. He wasn't a dominant rebounder by any means. Uh you did see him alter some shots, obviously, which you would expect, especially against a team like Albion that doesn't have much size. He had uh, five blocks by the end of the night and hit a three in the second half. So, 
Um, to me, I think his, you know, my takeaway with him is uh, his window is getting pretty short, quite honestly, to make that impression. Um, Izzo did explicitly say the other day, Bingham's the guy we want to see bust out of there, mm-hmm. but it's not really happening yet. Uh, and like I said, I think Malik Hall is coming on really fast, and he's going to be hard to keep out of there sooner than later. And Thomas gives you that sort of steady Eddie, you know what you're going to get type of guy. Um, that Izzo prefers, honestly, in the sense that he can he can expect that he won't make many or any mistakes. Yeah. So I think it's going to be tough uh, for Bingham to push through those two guys, honestly, and have a role bigger than that at this point is what it looks like. Yeah, I think you're you're spot on with that read, and I think Bingham's going to get some burn against Kentucky, and if it if it goes bad, it's going to be really quick, and then it's going to be a really big uphill climb for him to kind of work back to a point where he's going to be able to get minutes. Um, what were your thoughts on Xavier Tillman? I think he's yeah, obviously the the body transformation was last year, but it looks like he's even um, more of an Adonis type. Like he looks just insanely athletic and strong and big and physical. Um, and as someone who is kind of getting pegged as a surprise potential first round pick this year, uh, what were your thoughts on seeing him for the first time this year? Yeah, a lot of the same um, for the most part of, of, of what I saw, I guess, over summer at Moneyball, is what I should clarify. Um, he did. He has sort of um, toned up and, and sort of defined his, his physique a lot more. Um, mm-hmm. Last year he was, you know, he had dropped it all. He was fairly skinny-ish. And this year he's like, super muscular uh, and bulked up in that regard. Uh, he took a handful of threes. Uh, I mean, he took four threes, made two of them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he was pretty wide open on a few of them. So I don't know if you can really read into that. Like, oh, he's going to be, you know, popping these all over the place now. Um, he's confident in a shot uh, probably more than I am. You know, like, I don't think he's <laughs> still a, a great shooter um, out there, but it's something Izzo brings up from time to time. And I know it's something that he worked on a lot this off season. I don't really think it's, I don't think he's going to give you like even a Kenny Goins level of, of reliability back there, but every once in a while, okay. can you step out and hit one? Sure. Um, maybe I'm wrong on that, but I just don't think he'll shoot as many. I don't think he'll make as many. Um, I think it'll be an okay, you know, tool to have in the bag, but it's not something where you're going to see him floating around out there a ton. I don't think. Um, and then other than that, just sort of everything he does, you know, he was moving around defensively, um, caught a couple of oops and dunks and all that. And uh, a lot of the same stuff. So uh, what I saw at Moneyball was that he was a lot more comfortable handling the ball and making, you know, three or four dribbles then making a play. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if that sort of carries into the season. Didn't see as much of that last night. Yeah, and that's that and the shooting are the two spots where if he's going to make that leap and be someone who's a first-round pick, uh, those are going to have to be there. And I'm actually – I'm in disagreement with you. I think Xavier can shoot it, um, and I think his free-throw percentage from last year uh, indicates that he can be a really good three-point shooter, um, you know, mid to high 30%. Kenny got 34 last year, uh, 34%. So I think that is a, a good bar for Tillman to shoot at. We will see, though. This team, obviously, huge expectations. What do you think is, like, the one thing that we're maybe not thinking about that could be a derailment? one thing that we're, is going to pop up and it's like, all right, this is how this season could maybe not go the way it's planned? Uh, I'll, I'll give you a couple, uh, if I can break the rules. Sure. Like a little bit. Uh, first, yeah. first, obviously it would be anything to Xavier, um, an injury or any kind of time. If he's had some, any significant time that sort of crumbles the whole house of cards they have in the front court right now, like he's your rock and you're just sort of trying to pick the right accessories next to him. So mm-hmm. if he goes down, they're in a real big problem. Um, that has to be said, number one, uh, 
Number two, I would say to me, I think a, a concern to watch is is that secondary ball handler on the floor. Um, somebody who can get the ball out of Cassius's hands a little bit. And Josh Langford, you know, was kind of that guy. He wasn't an exceptional ball handler, but he could do that. He could he could take some um, possessions off of Cassius and things like that, bring it up comfortably, get the offense flowing, uh, things like that. And uh, Rocket Watts has that for sure. But, again, we're talking about the depth behind him. Who is that next guy that comes in? Aaron Henry's better in that regard. I still don't think he's a guy you want dribbling a ton. Mm-hmm. Um you know, not as much as yeah. So the secondary ball handler, I think, uh, is going to be interesting on the floor, and uh, depending on who they have at the three and four and whatnot, and you're trying to limit the uh, workload on Cassius again, obviously. So I think that's something to watch. And then something Kyle Austin uh, brought up to me last night, and it, it makes a lot of sense, is uh, the three-point shooting. He, I think mm-hmm. he got some flack for it on Twitter, but uh, you know, yeah. you, you lost McQuaid and you McQuaid and going to were two of their better shooters, and uh, again, Aaron Henry. You think it can be there, but it's still a work in progress. Uh, Gabe, you know, can probably shoot, but Rocket hasn't been hitting much at all since he got here. And, uh, you know, Cassius hasn't been – he's just not shooting as many since, uh, you know, since he's become what he is. And, you know, defenses have changed the way they attack him, and he's just not able to get as many shots off. So who are those other shooters? Kyle Lawrence can give you a boost there, but, uh, you know, losing Langford obviously on top of those other guys, I think that's uh, something to watch for sure. Yeah, and I actually talked about that because I saw that, and I didn't think it was. I think it's a totally fair uh, question to have. I didn't like that people were ganging up on Kyle because they thought he was talking about sixteen shot sample size in an exhibition game as the reason why. Um, but yeah, you lost a lot of shooting for sure, um, and I, I I think it's not a major concern for me because I think there's enough potential solutions there that something's going to happen, something's going to hit. Gabe Brown's going to shoot more and better. You know, Tillman will shoot better, Henry will shoot better, Cash will shoot better, like stuff like that. So I get the concern. It's not major for me, but it is something that is definitely going to be watched, especially in the early part of the season here as they try to sort of find their footing on the offensive end. All right, he is Stephen Brooks, 247sports.com. Read all of his work there. Friend of the show, always makes time for us, and I appreciate that, Stephen. Uh, as always, thanks for making some time for us. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on. All right, that is going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Spartans. Thanks so much for joining me. We'll be back tomorrow, of course, with another episode of Locked on Spartans. We'll talk some more basketball uh, stuff, kind of like we did in the first segment. I've got some more uh, categories and things that I want to go through. So we'll do that tomorrow uh, for Locked on Spartans. Reminder to rate, review, subscribe. Check out uh, SpartansWire.usatoday.com for our basketball preview stuff. I got a film room thing. I got the Amani Bates piece that I was telling you about. A bunch of good stuff up there for you to read, um, you know, basketball and football and other sports uh, as well. So check that stuff out, and uh, we'll catch you here tomorrow for another episode of Locked on Spartans. We'll see you then.